Hello, hello everyone. Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to thank you guys because very recently I have been getting a lot of emails from you guys with case suggestions or just saying that you really enjoy the podcast and so I really do want to thank you guys for that. I have been keeping track of all of your suggestions to cover for future podcast episodes, but I did just want to thank you for that. If you do want to email me with your case suggestions, you can email killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we are talking about the unsolved case of Roxanne Paltoff. So with that being said, let's just jump right on into it. Roxanne Paltoff was 18 years old when she went missing on July 7th of 2006. So Roxanne grew up in Austin, Texas. She grew up with her mother, Elizabeth, and she had three other sisters. She was the oldest of her sisters. Her other sisters' names are Rosalind, Ronica, and Ruby. So it was the 4th of July weekend, and this is typically a very family-oriented holiday for Roxanne and her family. She typically always would spend time with her mom and her sisters, but this year it was a little bit different. Roxanne asked her mother, Elizabeth, if it was okay if instead of spending the holiday with her family, she went on a little getaway with her boyfriend at the time named Lewis Walls. It was their two-year anniversary and Roxanne really wanted to spend that time with Lewis, so she asked her mom if she could and even though her mom was a little bit disappointed that Roxanne didn't want to spend the 4th of July weekend with her and her sisters, she understood and told Roxanne that she could go with Lewis. Roxanne had also just turned 18 about six months prior to this, so she was an adult, she could make her own decisions, and she could really do what she wanted to do, and Elizabeth and Roxanne had a pretty close relationship. Elizabeth said that Roxanne would call her every single day, they were always in contact, so she wasn't too worried about it. Roxanne had told her mom that she would be back home in a couple days, and her and her boyfriend, Lewis traveled to Rundberg, Texas to spend a couple days together at a motel. So the actual day of 4th of July in 2006 was on a Tuesday and Roxanne was expected to be home that same Friday. And the reason for this is because Elizabeth had planned to take all of her kids on a shopping spree the following day that Saturday. So she told Roxanne to make sure that she was home on Friday. That way that they could all wake up early on Saturday and go on the shopping spree. Roxanne had talked to her mom, Elizabeth, earlier that day and they had made those plans and they both agreed to it. But a couple hours later on Friday, Roxanne called her mom again and said that she was just going to spend one more night with Lewis and not to worry because she would be home early Saturday morning and they could go on their shopping spree as planned. Elizabeth was not too happy that Roxanne was planning to spend another night with Lewis just because she had planned this entire day for her and her kids to go on the shopping spree, but she said okay and was expecting Roxanne to be home early the next day. So you could imagine Elizabeth's shock when Saturday morning rolled around and Roxanne never came home. (laughs) 
So when Roxanne didn't come home on Saturday morning, initially Elizabeth didn't think anything of it. She just kind of was upset at the fact that Roxanne didn't come home. She figured she had just kind of got caught up in her anniversary week with Lewis, but she was upset because they had these plans for a decent period of time and Roxanne told her mom that she would be home on Saturday morning. So Elizabeth decided that she was still going to take her kids on the shopping spree without Roxanne. So all of them had gone to the mall for the entire day and according to Elizabeth they got home about 4 o'clock p.m. that day on Saturday afternoon. Elizabeth hadn't heard from Roxanne until she got home from the mall that day like I said around 4 o'clock in the afternoon and when Elizabeth picked up the phone she was very surprised to realize that it wasn't Roxanne on the other end of the line it was actually Lewis. Automatically Elizabeth was super confused as to why Lewis would be calling her and it really took her off guard, but Lewis ended up asking Elizabeth if she had seen Roxanne that day, which of course Elizabeth was completely confused by again because she had thought for this entire time that Roxanne had been with Lewis for the entire day and that's why she didn't show up to go on their shopping trip with them. So when Elizabeth told Lewis that, Lewis had confessed to Elizabeth that him and Roxanne had gotten into an argument the night prior, so on Friday night, and Roxanne stormed out of the motel and Lewis hasn't seen her since. Lewis said that she also left all of her belongings in this motel room, including her purse, her wallet, her cell phone, her ID, everything that she would need. She left in this hotel room when she walked out on Lewis after their argument, which automatically mother's instinct kicked in for Elizabeth and she knew that something was very, very wrong. So she immediately got in her car and drove over to the area that Lewis and Roxanne had been staying at. Elizabeth was extremely confused as to why Lewis waited so long to try and get in touch with Elizabeth. He waited over a full 24 hours before reaching out to Elizabeth to ask if she knew where Roxanne was. He let the entire Friday night go by without alerting her family that something could have happened to Elizabeth or even just to make sure that she was safe. Like if he thought that she for some reason was able to get to her family without her phone, her ID, her wallet, her purse, nothing, just to make sure that she was safe. He still didn't do it. When Elizabeth got down to Rundberg, she realized quickly that this was a very, very rough part of town. Elizabeth said it was not anywhere that she would want her daughter to be. And once Elizabeth got down there, she called the police to file a missing persons report. But we do see this a lot because Roxanne was 18 years old. Police initially didn't really think anything was wrong. They figured that Roxanne would just turned back up. She stormed off. She was mad. She wanted to cool down and she will come back. But Elizabeth knew that that was not the case. So she immediately started the search for her daughter. So because of this, it wasn't until about three days later that police actually started doing their own investigation. And this was really hurtful and harmful to this investigation for the reason being that because they waited so long, any potential evidence that could have been found inside of that motel room was completely contaminated because not only only did the motel have a cleaning service that would come in and clean the room. There had also been other tenants in that room after Lewis had checked out. This was one of those motels that you could rent by the hour. So you could imagine how many
many people had gone in and out of that hotel room and just in the matter of three days. So it was just a complete contamination of possible evidence. Elizabeth was actually the one that told Lewis that he needed to contact the police himself because he was reportedly the last person to see Roxanne. So he needed to tell the police exactly what he knew. That way they could take his statement, which he did. He did contact the police and he told them pretty much the exact same story that he told Elizabeth. It took Lewis five days to hand over Roxanne's belongings to her family, five days to hand over her cell phone, her purse, her wallet, and he also handed Roxanne's family a bag of clothes that belonged to Roxanne. But when Roxanne's sisters started looking into the clothes in the bag, they realized that these clothes did not belong to Roxanne, and her sisters were certain of that. You know, if you have sisters, you know this. Sometimes it's very easy for you guys to wear each other's clothes and go into each other's closets, so you're very familiar with the type of clothes that your sister has. I know that I do that with my mom. Me and my mom wear each other's clothes a lot, so I know what she has and she knows what I have. And if it came down to it, I would be able to figure out whether or not that was a piece of clothing that she had. Police looked into the cell phone records of Roxanne's phone and what they found was in the days following Roxanne's disappearance, there was an extreme number of phone calls made from her phone that were made by Lewis. And these phone calls were made not only to sex hotlines, but made also to Lewis's ex-girlfriend who lived in New Mexico at the time, which was really how they were able to connect that the person using the cell phone was Lewis. Police also decided that it was best to speak to the motel clerk that was working during the time that Roxanne stormed off out of the motel. And according to this motel clerk, she did confirm Lewis's story by saying that she did see Roxanne leave the motel. She did see Lewis try to go after Roxanne, but she also did see Lewis turn around and go back to the room. But what police were also able to learn is that once this motel clerk's shift was over, she ended up going and visiting Lewis in the room that he had rented out for him and Roxanne. Now, there are a lot of problems with this. The first being, why would Lewis be okay with inviting another girl back to his motel room if he knew that Roxanne, or if he was expecting Roxanne to come back? All of Roxanne's belongings were in that motel room, so why would he be okay with inviting another girl into the room if he was expecting Roxanne to come back? It seems like the only reason you would be okay with bringing another girl back to your motel room and doing God knows what is because you knew that Roxanne wasn't going to be coming back to the motel room. So it was at this time that Lewis really did stop cooperating with the police, but it was just the beginning for Roxanne's family to really amp up their search. And they did provide the police with very valuable information and very telling information. And that information was that about six months prior to Roxanne's disappearance, her sisters were driving on the other side of town without Roxanne, and they actually saw Roxanne at a bus stop. She was planning on taking the bus home. And so when they saw her on the other side of town, They pulled over, told Roxanne to get in the car, and at first her sisters said that she was wearing these really big sunglasses when they initially saw her. Her sisters say when Roxanne got into the car, she took the sunglasses off and her face was completely purple. 
and her nose had been broken. Now, Roxanne initially told her sisters that she had actually gotten into the middle of a fight between Lewis and another guy. She was just stuck in the middle of it, and that's how her nose was broken. But it later was revealed that Roxanne was actually punched in the face by Lewis. So, Lewis was the one who ended up causing this broken nose that she actually had to get surgery for. So, this was a very big ordeal, but police didn't have any evidence to prove this, so they weren't able to arrest Lewis on this. So six days following Roxanne's disappearance, there was a domestic disturbance call that came in to police. And the location of this domestic disturbance call was a motel next to the motel that Lewis and Roxanne were staying at. So this domestic disturbance call came in after a security officer walked past a parked car into the parking lot and looked in the back of the car and saw a man pinning a woman down, choking her out, and attempting to take off her clothes. So once the security officer saw this, he immediately called police. But when the woman was able to get out of the car and before police arrived, the man in the car sped off. But here is where it gets interesting. So when the man in the car sped off, not only did he drop his hearing aid, his hearing aid fell out of the car, his wallet fell out of the car as well. So because his wallet fell out of the car, police had his ID, they knew who he was, and so they brought him in for questioning. This man's name is Jeffrey Moore, and the woman who was actually in the back of the car with Jeffrey at this time was just kind of happy that she was saved from the situation. It was clear that she was a working girl to the security officer. She was more so of a prostitute, and so she just didn't want to press any charges against Jeffrey. She just kind of wanted the whole situation to go away. So no charges were brought against Jeffrey, but he still had to come in to retrieve his wallet. So when police brought in Jeffrey and they questioned him for a little bit, Jeffrey said that he knew the girl and they were just in the back of the car. They were planning on hooking up. And that is when the security officer walked by. So after police had given Jeffrey his wallet, they asked to see his ID because it's part of some police protocol before they leave. I'm not exactly sure why they needed his ID, if I'm being honest, but when he went to give the police his ID, Roxanne's ID also fell out of his wallet. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. 
So with Roxanne's ID falling out of Jeffrey's wallet, the police now have another person of interest that could possibly be involved in Roxanne's disappearance. The police asked Jeffrey why he would possibly have Roxanne's ID in his wallet, and initially he said that Roxanne was a friend of his and the two of them had gone out together and he was just holding her ID for her, like so she wouldn't have to carry a purse, she could just keep her ID in Jeffrey's wallet. That was his initial story, but when police weren't really buying it and kind of kept prying at him, he switched it up a bit. He then said that Jeffrey was out at a club the night that Roxanne disappeared and he ran in to Lewis and Roxanne and Lewis and Roxanne asked if Jeffrey could give them a ride back to their motel. Jeffrey said yes and Jeffrey says that's probably why her ID is in my wallet is because she probably dropped it in my car. Now, if you are anything like me and the, the first thing that comes to your mind is why would the ID that falls out accidentally in the car that he barely knew about, so he says, end up in his wallet? It doesn't make any sense and that's completely what I thought and Jeffrey didn't really have an explanation for it. So police decided to do some more digging on Lewis and who he is and that is when they found out some extremely shocking information, not only to police, but to Roxanne's family as well. So police were able to figure out that Roxanne, who was 16 years old at the time that she started dating Lewis, Roxanne's family was made out to believe because Roxanne told them that Lewis was 18 years old. So when she was 16, he was 18, he was two years older. But what Roxanne's family didn't know, and it is unclear whether or not Roxanne actually knew this, is that Lewis was not 18 when him and Roxanne started dating. Lewis was actually 28 years old when he started dating 16-year-old Roxanne. 28 years old. Let that sink in. 16 years old, 28 years old. Again, we're unclear on whether or not Roxanne knew about his actual age, but Roxanne's family was presented with the fact that Lewis was only two years older than Roxanne, not 12. So when police were able to figure out Lewis's real age, they were also able to pull up his criminal rap sheet, which was anything but clean. Lewis had a history of restraining orders that ex-girlfriends of his had put out against him, as well as a long history of just being in and out of jail for different charges. Because of this, Roxanne's family really does believe that Roxanne wasn't completely aware of how much fire she was fighting. She was definitely dealing with someone who was capable of dangerous things, and whether she knew that or not, she probably didn't understand the capacity of who she was dealing with at the time and who she was dating. About two weeks after Roxanne's disappearance, there was a body found underneath a bridge in the area that Roxanne had gone missing from. When this body was found, Roxanne's family wasn't sure what to believe before it had been identified. Police had braced them asking for Roxanne's dental records. That way they could see if it was a match. But after the coroner did his examination, it was ruled that the body found under the bridge was not Roxanne's. But the body of the woman found under the bridge was a woman who offered to help Roxanne's family to find answers for them. So let's backtrack this a little bit. So when Elizabeth was roaming the area of Rundberg to search for Roxanne, she ended up coming in contact with a woman named Loretta. And Loretta was a street worker. And Loretta had approached Elizabeth asking if she had found her daughter yet, which is when Elizabeth told her no, that she had been unsuccessful 
successful in her searches for Roxanne. And that is when Loretta promised Elizabeth that she was going to do everything that she could to try and help find Elizabeth answers as to what could have happened to Roxanne that night. Loretta's body was the one found murdered underneath the bridge, and when the autopsy was performed, it showed that Loretta actually had paper towels that had been shoved down her throat. Now, a lot of people see this as a way to kind of show someone being silenced by shoving something down their throat to kind of display a visual of them being silenced. It hasn't been proven whether or not Loretta's murder is directly linked to Roxanne's, although a lot of people do believe that Loretta could have came in contact with the person who was either responsible for Roxanne's disappearance or someone who knew something and didn't want Loretta to tell anyone about it. So about a month after Roxanne's disappearance, which mind you, Lewis helped zero in the search for Roxanne. He didn't help search. He didn't help the family. He didn't call the family. He didn't reach out to them. He did not do a single thing. But what did he do? He got a new girlfriend. So about a month after Roxanne went missing, Lewis also already had a brand new girlfriend who kind of did fit the same criteria as Roxanne. She was a younger girl and Elizabeth really wanted to take some action here. She didn't want to see the same thing that happened to Roxanne happen to Lewis's new girlfriend. So she actually ended up reaching out to Lewis's new girlfriend and invited her over to her home, which the girl agreed to do. So once this girl went over to Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth showed her all of these pictures of Roxanne and basically just warned this girl by saying that Lewis is a very dangerous person. You don't know what he's capable of and trying to warn her, period. And that is when this girl confessed that Lewis did scare her and she was afraid of him. And she also confessed to Elizabeth that one time there was a circumstance where this girl didn't do something that Lewis wanted her to do or they were arguing and Lewis told her, quote, if you don't do what I tell you to do, the same thing is going to happen to you that happened to that white girl, Roxanne. Now, again, this is all basically just word of mouth. There is no actual proof that shows that Lewis said this, but Elizabeth did tell the authorities what this girl had told her and that is when the authorities brought Lewis's new girlfriend in for questioning, but she was completely tied down to Lewis. She did not say a single bad thing about him. She refused to talk about what she had said to Elizabeth. She denied what she said to Elizabeth. So it just was not helpful whatsoever in this circumstance. And there was no probable cause to arrest Lewis. Everything was just circumstantial evidence. The police wanted something to happen so that they could arrest Lewis so they could hopefully get more information, but nothing was happening. To this day, there are only two persons of interest in the disappearance of Roxanne, and that is Lewis Walls and Jeffrey Moore. Police are 100% certain that these two men have something to do in Roxanne's disappearance and believe that they are hiding a lot. Personally, I think that the fact that Roxanne's ID was found in Jeffrey Moore's wallet, like how did they come in paths with each other? How did they cross paths? How did they come in contact? That's my big question mark here. And I think that once that question mark is answered, then that will be very telling for this entire case. But let's go ahead and talk about some theories for this. So the lead detective on this case has a theory about what he believes could have happened to Roxanne. He believes that Lewis wanted to prostitute out Roxanne for his benefit 
benefit, which would have been money, and he came across Jeffrey Moore. Now, Jeffrey Moore has a long history of hiring women for the night, and Jeffrey hired Roxanne. This is all in theory. So, Jeffrey hires Roxanne for the night through Lewis, and Jeffrey also has a history of being extremely rough with the girls that he hires. So, if he had hired Roxanne for the night and things had gotten out of hand, or if Jeffrey had gotten too rough with Roxanne, he could have ultimately hurt her if not killed her, and Jeffrey and Lewis disposed of the body. Another theory in this is that Lewis tried to prostitute Roxanne, and Roxanne didn't want to do it. She didn't want any part of it, and that led to an argument between Lewis and Roxanne, which ultimately led to Lewis putting his hands on Roxanne, which had happened in the past. There's no reason that he wouldn't have done it again, and it could have led to Roxanne getting hurt again, or worse, killed. And maybe there's a connection between Lewis and Jeffrey. How do they know each other? That's a big thing too. Are they friends? Have they worked together? What if Lewis was the one who ended up hurting Roxanne and ultimately murdering her and he called Jeffrey to help get rid of the body? There is just a lot of questions in this case, but no arrests have been made yet. Police are certain that unless something new comes to light in Roxanne's disappearance, that the two people responsible are Jeffrey Moore and Lewis Walls. I think that that is something that most people when looking into this case can agree upon. It is certainly something that her family agrees upon. It's just a matter of getting the right amount of evidence in order to make an arrest. And a police are 100% certain that someone knows something. Someone who knows Lewis, someone who knows Jeffrey, know something about what happened to Roxanne. And so they are really hoping that someone will come forward with some new information. And I just want to reiterate to you guys that there are anonymous tip lines that you can call into. If you know a certain piece of information, whether you think it's important or not, it's so important to tell someone. But if you are worried about someone finding out that you were the one who leaked a piece of information, there is anonymous tip lines that you can call to bring forward information and your identity will never be revealed. So that is super, super important to remember. You can look up the number online. With that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. I would love to know your opinions and theories on this case. So make sure you email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com and that is where you can send in your case suggestions as well. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. That way you are always notified as to when we post new podcast episodes. We upload every single Wednesday here and you are not going to want to miss it. So thank you guys so much for listening and taking the time to become more aware of today's case. And with that being said, I will see you next week. And until then, stay safe.